today, Philip and Lissa. Thank you for sharing with us today. That was beautiful, and it was neat to see dad and daughter together singing. And because uh, I know daughter uh, Lissa, that you're getting ready to go off to college, so it was great to see you and your dad spending some time pr- pr- uh, rehearsing and leading in worship today. So thank you, and Ashley, thank you for accompanying today. And then I just want to give a shout out to the choir, and Ned, thank you for that beautiful solo that you gave. Uh, the Lord send us love, send us power, and send us grace. Amen. Well, we uh, look to God's word today as we need grace as well. Psalm 139 is the primary text for today. I'll prompt you to follow along in just a little bit as we read some of the verses. You've already heard Andy read it's in, in its entirety. And then I'll be referring to John chapter 4, where Jesus met the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. And that's a a very long passage of Scripture, and I'll be more telling that story today in the message. I wanted to begin by sharing that this is Bible School Week. As you know, Vacation Bible School launches tomorrow. And throughout this week, Psalm 139 will be our guide. The theme of Bible school is submerged. Jesus knows my heart and my every thought. And then each day has its own unique theme. Tomorrow, our kids will focus on the truth that Jesus knows who I really am. And then on Tuesday, that Jesus knows my worth. And that particular Bible story is John 4, the story of the woman, Samaritan woman at the well. We'll focus on that today. On Wednesday, our children will learn that Jesus knows I need a Savior. Every one of us needs a Savior. On Thursday, they will learn the truth that Jesus knows our purpose. And then on Friday, as we end the week, the theme is Jesus loves and accepts me. Pray for Bible school this week, if you're not able to volunteer, pray throughout this week for our leaders and also for the children and their families as we serve them throughout Bible school. Now as we get into our theme for today, the message title is Below the Surface, and I've adapted that from Submerged, our Bible school theme. And if you think about the surface, if you're looking at a body of water, maybe it's a river, maybe it's a lake. Some of you have vacation at the lake. Others of you may be the ocean. And often the surface, everything's okay. On a nice day, it can be smooth as glass. And in a, on a lake, you can look out and see the reflection of the landscape in the water, giving us a double portion of God's creativity. Everything It's beautiful, everything is calm, everything is serene, life is good. Some of you may even have shirts that say, life is good. How many of you have a life is good shirt or something like that? Lots of you do. Life is good. On the surface, sometimes we say life is good, even when it's not. Below the surface of the water, there's another world. Below the surface, there are things that can cause us harm. Below the surface of a lake, there might be an old used tire that somebody discarded. There might be a tree that fell and sank to the bottom, and you could step on that and and hurt yourself. 
there might be old wrangled wire fencing down there that somebody threw. Or there might be the current swirling around, causing the silt at the bottom to be murky and muddy. On the surface, orderly and neat. Below the surface, murky and muddy and messy. And our lives are often like that. And that's why I believe that the Bible includes Psalm 139. Psalm 139 reminds us that we are created in the image of God, beautifully and wonderfully made, that God knew that full well, that God knew our name before we were even born, that God knit us together in our mother's womb. God knows the depths of our souls. And God knows that many of us would rather keep things on the surface. It's easier if we keep things on the surface, if we keep people at an arm's length, if we keep God at an arm's length, everything's fine. Somebody might say, how are you? And you might say, I'm just fine, thank you. How are you? I'm fine. And move on. Sometimes somebody might say, how you doing? And you might say, if it was any better, I couldn't stand it. I remember an, an old gentleman that you said, how's it going? If I was any better, I couldn't stand it. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good, even where things aren't so good. Or people sometimes respond, everything happens for a reason. God will never give you any more than you can handle. How many of you have said that or heard it said? I like a lot of amens in the crowd. All things work for the good for those who love the Lord and who are called according to His purposes. God never wastes a hurt. He's just preparing me for the ministry that I have ahead. We'll get over it. It just takes time. This too shall pass. Like good religious people, often we like to keep things on the surface. It's not so messy that way. Just keep things at a distance. Keep our nose in our work. Keep our jobs going. Pay our bills. Follow the prescribed liturgy. And life is supposed to be a lot less complicated. Or is it? And then we read about a God who sees all of us below the surface. Sees below the niceties, sees beyond the religious cliches that we often use when we don't want to go there. The God who peels back the layers of the onions, the God who lifts the veneer of this life and desires to know us. That's what Psalm 139 says. You, you have searched me, O God, and you know me. God desires to know us. Listen to these words. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And then like bookends, the psalmist 
brings us back at the very end in verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This helps to remind us that God knows us from the inside out because God made us. God knew the woman that Jesus encountered at the well, the Samaritan woman who had come at noon to draw water from Jacob's well. Perhaps she waited until noon so that nobody would be there. She knew no one else from the village would be at the well at the hot noon hour. Most everyone went in the evening. That was the normal time to draw water. She could go ahead and get her day's water and get back home without any strange looks or without any whispers. But when she arrived, she did a double take. There was a man sitting there. He was a Jew, sitting there like a rabbi would sit, a teacher, and he had no water jar. He was alone. Maybe she wondered what he wanted. Perhaps she thought that she'd turn back so that she didn't have to engage in any conversation, but she stayed. And then he asked her for some water. A Jewish man asking a Samaritan woman for a drink of water just to speak was strange enough. In fact, why was he even here in the first place? Jews went around the east of the Jordan to get to the north. They would never go through Samaria. We were longtime enemies, perhaps she's thinking, politically and culturally, not on speaking terms. Jews and Samaritans avoided one another. But not Jesus. The text in John 4 tells us that Jesus had to go through Samaria. He intended to go through Samaria. He intended to cross the racial and gender and sociocultural boundaries of the day. After all, how would he expect his disciples to follow his lead if he didn't model it for them? And then we know in the book of Acts, he said, You will be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So they would minister there sometime. He's preparing the way. If we are honest, myself included, if we are all honest, most of us have been subjected to highly imaginative and biblically unwarranted portrayals of this lovely woman which distort our understanding. Fred Craddock writes in his commentary on the text, quote, Evangelists plenty have assumed the brighter her nails, the darker her mascara, and the shorter her skirt, the greater her testimony to the power of the converting word. Often it is easy for us to assume the worst, and that this woman came and she met Jesus, and Jesus shared with her the living water. She repented of her sinful ways and then went back to her village and told people what she'd experienced, and many people were converted. We can tie that up very neatly as Christians. Many of us perhaps have thought of the story in that way. Now, we do not want to discount the fact that there are people who must repent of their old ways and turn toward God and receive the living water of Jesus and that they too will go and share that with others. But in this particular text, I think if we stay there on the surface that we do an injustice to her and to the text 
that we receive in John. Jesus sees below the surface. Here, I believe, we see in this woman a truth seeker only hindered by a hypocritical town that forces her to come to the well at noon rather than at the customary evening hour. Jesus sees below the surface. As we are reminded in 1 Samuel 16, 7, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Jesus sees down deep. Five husbands and now a man who is not her husband. In her culture, the divorce was not the woman's choice. The men passed women around. One took her and gave her a divorce. Another took her and gave her a divorce. Another took her and gave her a divorce. She did not choose to take five husbands and then another man. She was chosen and passed around like a piece of meat, as one writer states. And now some new man asked her for a drink of water, and we can only imagine what might have been in her mind. But this man was different. He smiled. He talked with her. He seemed to really care. He even knew everything about her. He understood her situation. He could see below the surface. He saw her for who she really was. People just like us. As was his custom in John's gospel, Jesus revealed special knowledge about people he met. Remember the passage in chapter 1 where he met Philip and Nathaniel, also Nicodemus in John 3, and then in his, his own disciples and even in the Pharisees, Jesus would know their thoughts as he knows our thoughts. And Jesus, in meeting her, he did not urge her to repent. That's not in the text. He didn't tell her to change. Her behavior, that's not in the text. That should also help us to understand her predicament in life. Here, he had the longest conversation in Scripture that he had with any person. What began as a conversation about a drink of water became a divine exchange. The woman comes to understand that Jesus is a prophet from Jerusalem. She learns that worship is not confined to a time or a place, but worship of God is spirit and in truth. That God transcends gender and race and tradition and place and liturgy. If this traveler from Jerusalem is greater than Jacob, whose well we gather, he, if he is a prophet, and if he is more than a prophet, then this woman only has one category left, and that is Messiah. Jesus, Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. A God whose nature it is to embrace all people in all places is Messiah, and her witness, though she does not have all of the answers, is invitational, it is not judgmental. She goes back to her town and she simply shares what happened to her. People receive the gospel because of her word. The text says because of her testimony. How often do I complicate it? How often do I feel that somebody needs a theology lesson when all they needed was to hear what God had done in my life? Maybe witnessing to others, maybe sharing our faith when we encounter someone who's not a believer, is as simple as just telling others what God has done for us. And then we can get into some of the theology later. Think about that. She goes back to town and she avoids elitist 
comments, trite answers, and superficial conversation. She doesn't borrow someone else's theology and try to put prepackaged answers to life's difficult questions. There are no threats about eternal judgment or religious language that they didn't understand. She just told them about her encounter with Jesus, pure and simple. The man who saw beneath the surface in her life, the man who told her about everything she ever did. This woman had her own unique mission. She just spoke the word. And then after hearing it, the people invited Jesus to come and he stayed two more days there in her village. And many became believers because of what had happened. I'm reminded of the uniqueness of our mission, of this woman's mission, of our mission. Dr. John Upton, many of you know, used to be part of our congregation years ago and is now the executive director of Virginia Baptists, recently wrote, and I quote, the Holy Spirit has never made copies. The Spirit only makes originals. Each of us has a unique, irreplaceable place in God's mission. The Samaritan woman was so touched by what Jesus knew about her that she finally blurted out, as I paraphrase, someday, 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 a Christ will come and everything will be all right. This is Messiah. She acknowledged Jesus as Messiah. And Jesus said, he's here. He is here. You and I may meet someone who might say the same thing to us, Someday, 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 Christ will come and everything will be all right. And you might say, He is here. He is Messiah. We too have an irreplaceable place in God's mission. The God who sees below the surface in our lives loves us so very much. He will give us His love and His power and His grace to be the presence of Christ in a broken and hurting world. People, HRBC, people, listen, people need to hear good news today. They need to hear good news about Jesus. They need Jesus. Jesus is the answer. And we, we, we are called to go share that in a caring and loving, non-aggressive way. May God, the God who sees below the surface in our lives, help us to see below the surface in the lives of others that they might come and know the true God who is Messiah. There's a prayer I'd like for us to share together as we conclude today's sermon. It's printed in your bulletin under the sermon notes. And I'd like for us all to join together and pray in unison. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Thank you, God, for seeing below the surface in my life. Because you created me and know everything about me, I don't have to be superficial. Let me come to the well to receive living water. Help me to be the presence of Jesus to others without judgment unreasonable expectations or assumptions. Lead me to be an authentic witness to others that they might come to believe. 
Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. Let's bow our heads.